I, it is Wednesday, August 18, 2021, 7, uh, 7.06 p.m. And I am calling to order the meeting of Medford's Community Preservation Committee. Pursuant to chapter 20 of the Acts of 2021, this meeting of the Medford Community Preservation Committee will be conducted via remote means. Members of the public who wish to attend the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted and public participation in any public hearing during this meeting shall be by remote means only. So with that, um, I would like to start. The first thing on our agenda is approval of meeting minutes from May 27, 2021. Um, I actually haven't had a chance to review these minutes myself because they just um, loaded in our meeting packet um, just before this meeting started. So does, do other members of the committee have, um, have you had a chance to review the, mean, the minutes and have comments on the minutes? I have, I have no comments. I read them and I didn't have any comments as well. All right, is there a motion to approve the minutes? I'll make the motion to approve the minutes. I'll, I'll second, second it. That. Go ahead, Losa. Losa. Um, can you unmute yourself, Losa? I actually wanna have an audible. Um, sure. You approved, okay. Um, Doug. Yes. Joan. Yes. Casey. Yes. Steve? He's muted. I think you just muted yourself when you meant to unmute. Yeah. Thanks. Heidi? Yes. And that's all of us and myself, yes. So the mini minutes are approved. And the second item on our agenda is consideration of a request for additional funds for a previously funded project, the Medford Community Housing Inc. Fellsway West, three new affordable units. Um, so I'd like to explain to us what your You keep freezing, Roberta. My apologies, everyone. My internet seems to be unstable, so I can't, um, I may be in and out and I am not sure if um, I'm frozen or you are. Um, Susan, are you able to, um, to present? Thanks. Thank you. My name is Susan Collins and I'm the executive director of Medford Community Housing. Uh, we um, have been a community housing development uh, organization since 1988, for those of you that aren't familiar with us. And I joined the organization in 2011 and we have done uh, four projects so far. And this is uh, 
a project that we've kind of extended. We purchased a two-family uh, building in 2016. And during the purchasing uh, acquisition process, we discovered that there was a separate parcel that came with the purchasing of the unit. Um, and that kind of came up with a title and plot plan search. So we completed, we did an acquisition and rehab of that building. And then we um, had looked for some other projects and uh, we had a few. And uh, this one seemed to be the one that would seem to be the most viable. We wanted to take an underutilized uh, parcel of land that came with this purchase and develop it into affordable housing. So we came to the Community Preservation Committee in the fall. I think it was, I'm trying to think of when we did our actual presentation. I know all the documents got in in the fall of 2017. Um, but we came before the committee and uh, we had requested funding for pre-development because we had to do a feasibility study on the, on the lot. And then we also received a grant for doing um, some of the site development work. Um, we also approached one of our other financiers on other projects, which is the HUD Home Consortium. The Home Program is a HUD program that uh, helps uh, nonprofits like ourselves develop affordable housing, and it's also open to uh, for-profit developers as well. And uh, we had requested funding from them, and uh, we kind of had a snafu uh, with them in regards to understanding the scope of the project and how we were going to finance it. And we seem to be moving along with that. And we also were proceeding to move ahead on a zoning variance because it was a non-conforming lot. And we were able to secure a zoning variance to be able to build this three-story uh, structure with the three units uh, with the zoning variance. Um, also during that time, we uh, were informed by the HUD Home Consortium that we would need a waiver for the project because HUD does not, uh, the home program does not allow unit or more money into an existing um, property. But because this was being built on a separate parcel and it would be a separate structure with only a breezeway attachment, um, that's why it ended up going to HUD in DC and uh, we waited for over, I think it was about a year and five months to hear back from HUD. And in the meantime, the HUD Boston office had some new um, officers come in and they were able to review the process. And they felt, uh, in addition to consulting with HUD in DC, that we didn't need the waiver, that they would look at this as a separate structure. Uh, built structure. So um, we ended up going back to recently to the home consortium to request more funding. And in the course of that time period, as you guys can see from our original fall request to currently the cost of construction has increased at least 10% a year. And then with COVID and the cost of construction and building materials and then just the cost in general to build and the competitiveness, uh, we've had an increase, which we were kind of anticipating uh, earlier this year that things would be going up as well. So we needed to uh, come back and request uh, if 
respectfully request more funding because of the cost of the project. Um, and that's where we're at today. So on the call with me, I have David Brosnan. He's our treasurer for Medford Community Housing. He's been a longstanding member for, do you want to go all the way back to 1988? I can never remember that piece. Did you I start do. out? Yes, I do. I, okay. I was there at the beginning. All right, so David has uh, worked with us. He's um, also a structural engineer, so he's very active in the construction industry. And then we also have our architect, Dominic Valenti. He's a Medford architect, and he has been with us since uh, early 2018 when we started on the pre-development work to do schematics. So they're gonna kind of be here as the technical uh, experts uh, as far as if you all have questions on the building structure, I can fill in some of the gaps, but these guys have more, obviously, uh, experience, uh, way more experience than I do. Um, I also submitted uh, an updated Performa to Danielle and also the full set of building plans and a site uh, plan that was done by our civil engineer and that was submitted to the city's engineering department. We also filed for a permit today uh, and that's about as update, a very brief uh, overview of what we've been up to since we started this. Thank you, Susan. Are there any comments or questions from committee members? Glosa? Yes. Um, hi, my name is Glosa. Um, I'm not familiar exactly. Um, is the, your, um, the building that you tried to uh, build, is it for family or is it for elderly? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Or Great question. Housing, the housing unit that you tried to put up, the three units, is it will be for an elderly? family or is it some type of emergency needs because i'm not familiar with uh, your um facility sure so i'm gonna also while you guys are on uh, i'm gonna give you a picture of a rendering um i don't oh i need to be able to share i think danielle correct uh is that possible yes i can give you permission to do that um okay. Just let me know. Um, so I can answer your question as she's kind of dealing with the technical issues. So these are three units of affordable housing. It could be elder, it could be older people. It's, uh, there are two three bedroom units and one one bedroom unit. The income is at 60% or below the area median income. Um, and how the, the potential renters are selected is through a lottery process. So there's an application process that they have to go through. And they also have to qualify based on income. Um, and that's usually done by a third party, the lottery process. And uh, the, sure, and the project includes some on-site parking. There is off-site parking. It's on Fellsway West which if you're going towards 28, towards Stoneham, it's, um, David, you always can tell me the name of the bridge that goes across there. 
um, on 20, you know, over 93 on 28. Uh, the Roosevelt Circle. Thank you. Um, the and it's Roosevelt it, Circle. Yeah, it's down on the right. Uh, there's a white plumbing that's there and we're like two down, two doors down from that. Uh, the property faces over 93 and also right off of Route 28. So am I able to share yet? Did you figure that yeah, out? Yeah, we should be able to, yeah. Okay, all right. So just to give you guys a picture, oops, there goes my rendering. Oh, let me get back, sorry. Hopefully this is the right one. I just had it open and then it closed. Anyway, um, why I do that, David, do you want to give any more details on the property itself, the construction side? Why I kind of dig well, through my file I, there. I don't think you mentioned that uh, we have gone to bids already and that we did receive two bids back and the amount that we're asking is based on those bids. Um, the two bids that we got uh, we, we, we had, uh, we had three people who were interested and two actually came back with submitted bids. The two bids we received were 9% apart. Um, so at this point we have a low bidder and, um, we're just about ready to, um, to, to, to get going on this with, with, with your approval. And, um, The site, I will be the first to tell you, is a pretty tough one. It's uh, steep, and we expect to, to run into uh, some bedrock uh, below the surface. And um, we will be, uh, we, we've had, I think, endless studies, geotechnical studies, environmental studies. Uh, our architects spent a, a fair amount of time trying to get the house to sit well on the lot. And, um, and, and uh, we did receive uh, pretty much uh, the approval of the Board of Appeals. And um, I think, uh, you know, we're happy to discuss any, any detailed questions you may have, but uh, I, I thought those were some, uh, some items of interest. Doug, I see you there. Are you? Yes, David. Good to see you again. I, I know David. He's um, worked on some projects with me over the years. Uh, I think it's a good set of drawings. I think it's well conceived. Obviously, we endorsed this project years ago. Um, I guess uh, the concern about about contingency would be, I think, you know, unknown site conditions, as you just referenced. David is probably a good one to have a few extra dollars in the bank to deal with any ledge or anything else that you're likely to find on such a very challenging, steeply sloped site for sure. But I think otherwise the drawings look excellent and I think it's well, well put together. Thank you.
Do other committee members have questions or comments about this? So I don't know enough about uh, building houses <laughs> to be able to speak to this, but it seems like a, a, a lot of money. And I'm wondering if, if there's just something that we need someone with a little bit more expertise to kind of look at these numbers a little more closely to, to see if this is in fact a good estimate on on this. And I'm, I'm also curious about, because I don't know how you run this, but is it that Medford continues to own these properties and then you have, then you have an operating uh, budget to maintain them or how, how does this work? I mean, are you building them for people to buy outright or how does it work? Okay, well, um, first of all, we are no longer working from estimates. We, we are working from the actual bids that contractors have given us. Mm -hmm. So we do have a, a, a very good idea right now what the construction will cost, uh, about as good as we'll ever get. Second, um, we are building them as rental units. Uh, to operate them, we will be collecting rent. Now, some of that rent may be subsidized through Section 8 or other programs, but the, um, the, the rent income that, that comes in from the property will help to operate it and pay the insurance, the taxes, the water bill, and so forth. And whatever maintenance needs to be done has to come out of that as well. Uh, we're trying to build with some quality in mind, understanding that we have a 30-year affordability agreement with uh, at least one or more of our, um, of our um, financing sources. Um, the day may come when we decide to um, change the, 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 I guess, the profile of the property. Uh, to possibly not be uh, rental income, but maybe uh, a possibility is that it could be they could be owner occupied units. That's not what we're looking at right now, but uh, we we don't know what the future holds. At this time, the rental market seems to be very favorable for this type of project, um, and we do believe there is a need for this type of housing in the city of Metford. Uh, that there, we, we, will, we will not have trouble finding tenants. Um, and um, as far as the costs themselves, um, I, I think the nature of, uh, of getting um, funding from so many different sources has uh, so many different eyeballs and so many different application requirements on it that I can say that what we, what we term as our soft costs, that is the costs that do not go into direct construction, um, are, are probably higher than, than, than people in the, um, in the private sector might be used to seeing. Uh, there's a lot of regulatory requirements that go with affordable housing. Um, some things are just unavoidable. Um, we are working on uh, what I've already called the kind of a tough site here. Uh, it's not flat land. It is on a state highway, which means that the state police get the construction detail here. And um, 
I have heard one opinion of what that would cost us, and I was uh, quite um, quite impressed with how well the state police will be compensated. Let's put it that way. And um, the um, you know uh, so so th there is some there is some expense involved with this site that you know your your typical neighborhood flatland uh, two-family or three-family construction site might not be facing. So we have to build some retaining walls. We have to build, we have to excavate through what we hope is not much ledge, but we know there is some there. And we have a lot of utility hookups and, and things. Uh, we investigated the possibility of modular construction. Um, that wouldn't have worked very well on this site because we would need a crane to lift it. We have overhead utility wires directly crossing in front of the site. Um, and that seemed to be an insurmountable uh, problem uh, to use anything other than a regular stick built type of building here. And um, I think I've addressed all of your answers and if i haven't please please uh, let me know so are, are you confident that the for the amount of money that you're going to spend on this and the amount of loan that you'll have to take and the amount of rental income that you'll get that you'll be able to not be in the red yes we, so, we well we I, I, can, I can i can go ahead susan yeah i'm going to answer that so we're held through the home program to only have a certain amount of cash flow so there's percentages. So we're not like a private developer uh, that not only are the rents lower, but we also, they also hold us to the cash flow. So we can only have a certain amount of debt on the property in order to facilitate these all being affordable rentals. So one of the things that we aren't doing, we're not a private developer escalating the cost of rentals because we're, providing affordable rentals. Um, and I just wanted to uh, correct that the grant that we receive from the CPC is in perpetuity. So this will always be an affordable property. So whether that is under home ownership or rental, it will always be uh, affordable. So we're really not competing with any developers at this point. We had a parcel of land. We wanted to utilize that. Um, land is hard to find, as you guys know, in Medford. And um, even if even if you were to purchase land, it, the cost of that would be extremely expensive as well. So um, I think overall, putting this together, the, the the cost of the structure, the site work, if you were to acquire a piece of land and still have to do your feasibility, it would cost you more in the long run um, because of the cost of land in Medford. So I think combined efforts on this. Uh, that's kind of why we pursued this uh, so steadfastly, even with the impediments that were brought up during this process for us. Um, the fact that this will be a viable property, new construction, not a rehab, and all the updated building codes and standards, which I think for tenants living there, it's going to be, you know, a very energy efficient building. Um, and also the fact that uh, it's new construction, we're going to be dealing with less maintenance calls. 
And in the long run, what we'll end up doing with our home consortium loan is as the equity builds in this property, we're able to restructure the financing on this as well. So we have an option at the end of 20 years, if we have to restructure the financing, that's also an option through the HUD home program. So now my next question is for Danielle. So I'm not sure exactly what um, we have in the in the bank, as it were, uh, for from last year for the housing um, pot of money versus this year and that kind of thing. So I would like to know, you know, because this is what was it, three hundred and fifty-five thousand dollar request. So where does that fit in the budget for us right now? And based on that, plus all the other applications that we've received. So oddly enough, um, when I looked at what was in the housing reserve from prior year funds, so not any of the uh, fiscal 2021 funds, it was just over 355. <laughs> I was just like, did Susan know what we had? Because <laughs> they just it lined up too perfectly, you know? Yeah, I had my so cards read. I had my cards read, Danielle, prior yeah, to this. Yeah, he must have like he must have had like a clairvoyant or something, but it was just just a little bit over of the old funds. So it actually wouldn't um, cut into our 10% set aside, but it does because I think it was um, the last funding cycle that we had um, transferred the 250k over because we didn't have any applications or not substantial applications that took a lot of funds. Right. So there is enough of old funds. Right. And the Somerville project was canceled. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all the return funds and then what was there. Mm -hmm. I think that's all the questions I have. Are there any other questions from committee members? I, I don't have a question. I just, you know, kind of feel we, regarding as they mentioned with, uh, with the site, with construction, how, you know, what they're going to run into. Um, the, will there be more increased um, money that they will need? Because when you're dealing with a steep um, uh, you don't know what's underneath when you're trying to make foundation. Again, I'm not a builder, but I I, I see how it's being done. So it, it's just, I don't know how comfortable, to, you know, is this with the uh, uncertainty on when they start digging to, to do the project? Okay, I, I think I can take that one. Um, before we uh, did our drawings, we had a geotechnical engineer uh, come out to the site and make some uh, exploratory excavations to see how deep the ledge would be. And we have a very good handle on that right now. We have, I think, what are, what are pretty solid, um, you know, uh, drawings based on the geotechnical engineer's recommendations and uh, understanding what we need for basement levels and, and uh, how much we have to dig into the hillside. Uh, so we're, you, you know, it, it, it's always possible that 
some unexpected thing might, might occur that ha that can happen on any construction project. But, uh, you know, uh, we did do a lot of due diligence here to be sure that there were no really big surprises that were coming along. So uh, we, we are pretty confident that we've got, got a good handle on where the ledge is and what quality of rock we're talking about having to break up and remove. David, you also have a 10% contingency in your line item, right? I saw that. That is that is absolutely correct, Doug. Is it correct that the overhead and profit in there is a fixed amount? Does that, does that come with the, uh, the structure of your deal? The overhead and profit for the contractor you're talking about? Yes, sir. Uh, they did. They did uh, put uh, put put that in there. Uh, that I think goes to their general conditions and their um, uh, a, a lot of their things. That I, I I I'm happy to talk about things, but we still only have bids at this point. We don't have a contract with anyone right now at this. So I don't want to say start talking out of school. In okay. a way that would cause a bidder to get upset and <laughs> withdraw the bid, if you know what I'm. What, what I, I, I do. Well, point well taken. Thank you. So, um, but but yes, the, the contractors do have overhead and profit in there, and I think they have covered themselves yes. uh, quite well. Okay. In that uh, but I, I, you know. The bid is the bid. We, we might be able to, to, to wiggle a little bit in negotiation, but we really can't change the, uh, the end product that uh, the bids are based on at this point um, without, without really uh, going back on the street with this again. So um, we were pleasantly surprised by the fact that the two bids were fairly close together. And um, that, that did give us some confidence that nobody's really uh, missing things uh, wildly here. And that nobody's, um, you, as we know, contractors have a way of telling you they're not interested in something. And the way they tell you is they put an astronomically high price on things. So um, we didn't see that either. So we thought they were both reasonable, and, um, we'll, uh, and, and, and that's what I can say right now. So, How are you heating these units? The heating. Uh, Dom, would you like to chime in on this here? You sh your microphone. You're muted. You're muted, Dom. Your microphone. There you go. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. It, it's being heated hot water radiation. And I'm sorry, you cut out. Can you say that again? It's being heated by baseboard hot water. Hot water. Yes. And how's the hot water being heated? Uh, gas fired uh, boiler. It 
it's I, I can I, if, if his microphone's gone out. It, they're wall-mounted gas uh, boilers. Right. It's a yes. hot water heaters fed by gas boilers. Yeah. I also wanted to add a couple of things. Number one, I wanted to thank Dom, Dominic because he's been with us for a long period of time through this. And um, when we did do our, uh, our uh, test pits for the site, he was able to uh, reverse the layout of the unit so that we wouldn't encounter as much ledge. So we're not going and digging as far as we initially anticipated. And that was just by uh, taking the units and uh, putting uh, one bedroom unit was gonna be on the top floor. And now we put that down to the first floor. So that uh, eliminated a lot of the digging in the back part of the lot. So we didn't have to go down as much, but saved us a lot of money uh, from that perspective. Um, and also, we also looked into the heating systems and there's the hot product that's out here now with the split units, uh, but there are also some drawbacks to using those. And one of them is, is they don't last as long. And also if you have really cold weather, you have to have a backup system. Um, so, uh, you know, that was a real, we we're kind of going back and forth on those a lot, but we also, part of his uh, engineering team, they do a lot of affordable housing and a lot of projects and different types of projects. Uh, throughout the metropolitan Boston area. And we went, we really kind of got some great information of what they've experienced going in and having to replace items and what works and what doesn't work. And the split seems to be the ones that get replaced quite often. So that would be another capitalization cost where we've, you know, we've been lucky in our, um, and the existing two family that that was a new, uh, boiler, uh, gas boiler system, and uh, that was uh, recently uh, replaced by the owner that we purchased it from. And we feel that that has better success and also the uh, cost for utilities is much lower for the tenants as a result of that. Thank you, are there more questions from committee members? I have a couple of questions myself to add if um, there aren't others. First of all, um, you had mentioned the possibility of, um, or we've discussed the, the potential for cost increase because of the unknown site um, costs. And, the, and I, I wondered whether your cost estimates fully took into consideration the potential site costs and the state police, as you mentioned, and if you have a backup plan for if you end up needing more funding um, to cover these costs? So a couple of things, Roberta. Um, having the bids was super, super helpful for me. I don't know about David, how he felt about it. I mean, he kind of gave you his opinion, but what I really noticed is, and Doug, you had brought it up, the overhead and profit, you know, looking at those percentages, I could see where because of the site, there was, to me, more there because there's a risk factor for the builder uh, or for the contractor and for us. So um, the structure itself is pretty straightforward. It was the site work and it's a good question. I think the 10% uh, contingency is important for us. Um, and uh, you know we are gonna be applying for other grants but we can't apply for those until we have our 
major funding secured to, in order to do that. So um, I think 10% is a healthy uh, set aside uh, for pretty much once the site work is done, a pretty straightforward build from what Dominic and David have told me, so. Um, thank you. Uh, and a second question that I had was whether um, you at any point consulted with the neighbors of the property during your design process. Yes, we met with the neighbors when we were going through the zoning variance and uh, we talked to them and had a meeting and we kind of walked them through the whole process. Uh, and at the end of it, nobody objected. Uh, and that was one of the things that we were able to get the variances because uh, none of the neighbors, they had concerns. They were worried about the view. One of them, I think they were worried about a view, but in, when they were thinking about it, they weren't looking in the right direction and the view that they were think. I, I guess there's a fort or some lookout point across the way, David, am I correct? Um, and uh, they realized that that's not gonna be an impediment to their view. One of the neighbors uh, above us actually could see the tower on Pine Hill, the observation tower on Pine Hill from her home. And she was concerned that we might be blocking that view. And I think we, we demonstrated to her that, I, that her line of sight would not be changed. Um, and I think that it, it really did not cross over the new construction anyway. So um, we were, the top of our building is low enough that I, I, I don't think that the view of the observation tower would be obstructed in any case. So the ledge removal, is that gonna be, I mean, are they going to use like, they're gonna have to blow it up or I mean, was there concerns from the neighbors of, you know, structural you know effects of their house while you do this work on the ledge? Well, I believe, and this is really uh, subject to the contractors, uh, because the contractor is the one that has to do this, but we definitely prefer the idea of breaking it up using a, a hydraulic ram uh, mm -hmm. type of a big jackhammer, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and to do blasting, even under the controls and the safeguards that you have, it, it probably wouldn't be very productive because the neighboring structures, including our own, are so close to it. So the amount of charge that you can actually put in uh, to a situation like that is very limited. And so while this is not the fastest way using the whole ram, it is probably the safest and, and the most, um, you know, the most reasonable for everyone concerned. Yep. Dominic, did you want to speak about the, the ledge uh, anyway in the, on the site where we, you know, you kind of identified where that's gonna be the, you know, which, which part of the, on the site that we kind of are anticipating where the most is going to be. Without, without, uh, we, with the borings we had and 
was able to find a, a line that's that line. And I think most of the ledge will actually be uh, a small a small vertical portion port area. Um, the um, unit unit that sits up in the rear, the second floor unit, that's on that's on a, uh, a a crawl space, and there was very little uh, ledge. Well, that area do with the borings that were taken. Obviously, we didn't take a boring on every single inch of the property, so uh, you don't know. Um, ledges pretty common to know that if you see an outcrop and that's and you can yeah that in, in most cases but so I don't think um, that the bulk of the building the, uh, uh, a lead will probably be ledge free a lot of excavation but like ledge free and the, the I think will be the um, the most the most amount of ledge that we might encounter. Thank you. Are, are there other questions from committee members? Other comments for um, for the uh, the applicant team? All right. Thank you to Susan, David, and Dominic. Um, we will, um, uh, next I'd like to move into the committee's discussion of the project. Um, so just as an overview for the committee members, um, we're being asked to um, consider this off cycle request for funding in mainly because of a very tight timeline that has been given. The, um, the home funds, which contribute a significant portion of the funding for this project, um, are contingent on the project having a local match before the end of September. And so that local match has to come through our funding, our recommendation for funding, and then approval by city council. So um, given our schedule, the fact that this is vacation season and it's very hard to schedule extra meetings and the city council schedule, um, it's, um, we have a very limited time in which to make this decision. So we need to um, consider an, you know, an, an up-down vote on funding for this project. Um, at our meeting this evening, I, I don't know, Danielle, if you can tell us if there's any wiggle room, if we wanted to ask for additional expertise um, to help us to comment on the, on the project, if um, there's any possibility of coming back in a later week. Yeah, so um, the, the next time city council meets is September 14th. They're on their summer schedule. So they can't go to city council until then. Okay. So um, there is so there is time. We just have to notice it 48 hours in advance. And so the 14th, 
you know, as long if we have they their agenda posts on the Friday at the 10th. Uh, I think that's the 10th, September 10th. So if you wanted to schedule another meeting um, before sending it to city council, there is plenty of time for that. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you. Um, uh, so I just, I, I just also, Robert, oh, sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm unmuted. Um, the window of opportunity that Robert is referring to is HUD doesn't have what's called a subsidy limit right now on funds and that expires September 30th. So that's why this is kind of coming at everybody very quickly. Um, and that subsidy limitation goes away, which means that the funding uh, from home could change. Yeah, so, um, and that's why September 14th is the date it has to get to city council. And that, that's the only date. We can't get there any sooner and we can't go any later. Um, and yeah, if, if it's approved, if city council awarded these funds after September 30th, then the, um, the home program folks wouldn't have the commitment letter um, in time in order to um, take advantage of not having these subsidy limits. And so the um, 800, what was the final? It's 700 and, I don't know. That was back, yeah, so backing out the um, pre-development loan yeah, it ends up being, um, yeah, 780 something. Yeah, 780, so, yeah. Yeah, so the, the home program, they could only get up to 690,000 in home funds. That's, that's the cap um, when you, because they have to build in the uh, project delivery. So that's my understanding is they, they would lose, yeah, about 100K in home funds, it would drop by. Uh, thank, thank you, you. Uh, thank you very much. We really appreciate this. We don't like coming back to the well. Uh, we didn't wanna get into the gory details of the other delays. Um, we're really just, you know, I think it's important doing this project and that we get some people into some more housing in the city of Medford. And uh, I think overall, we're not competing with anybody as far as raising rents uh, in this project, which I think is important uh, versus private developers. They make up their lack of subsidy by increasing rents. So I think this is a good stopgap and it's a future building that's brand new construction in the city of Medford uh, that will be there for the residents of Medford. Uh, and to be used in some capacity around housing uh, being affordable. I did. Did you have something? I think you were trying to make a comment earlier. Yeah, I just wanted to offer my opinion in that given about the costs and that, that they are not based on estimates. They are based on bids and both bids are within 9% of each other. I feel pretty, pretty comfortable with that amount. And I'm not sure that we need to do further research on that, but I would defer to the other members, of course. I also feel pretty comfortable with it, Heidi. And we also, you know, have not seen too many housing projects come forward. So I think we should support the ones that we that we do have in front of us. 
Thank you, everybody, for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, Susan. Bye. Bye. Um, additional comments, discussion. I also don't see a need to do any further investigation, given what I've seen, you know, the detailed drawings, you know, 40, 50 pages, all the information appears to be there, the bids are there. I, I feel comfortable moving forward with this. It's, it's an expensive investment on a per unit basis, no doubt about it, you know, but we don't get to, you know, there aren't many choices that come before us. So it's a little tough to, uh, to quibble with that. I, I still think we should continue other pieces of it, like the rental assistance and others, but I feel comfortable moving this forward myself. Um, the first amount of money was allocated before I was on the committee. The second amount of money that raised, that's a $75,000 raise that in rental assistance dollars. If I have my rental assistance dollar hat on, that's, isn't it, are we offering 3000 per family in rental assistance first and last to cover? I think I thought the number I remember from the June meeting was something in the neighborhood of 3000. Oh, are, are you talking about the move in? Yeah. The ABCD yeah. stuff. Yeah, so yeah. that's First and last month's rent. And it would, it could fluctuate depending on the size of the unit and the fair market rate that it's pinned to. So I just can't get my head around 75,000 additional dollars broken down into what did they say? It was three, three bedroom units and one, one bedroom unit. Yeah. As opposed to who broke those dollars down into rental assistance. How many families could we help with 75,000? 75,000 or that's, that's the jump. It goes from 280 to 355. So the Delta is 75,000. So it's no, I, the 280 was for pre-development. Um, costs so yep. it wasn't for this construction and i said that was before i had joined the cpc yeah. so the, new no, amount, so the new amount would be an additional 355 yeah so yeah. the total cpa award the total amount of cpa funds into this project would be six hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. yeah i think i'm a no and we don't have that in front of us though we don't have the you know, Medford move in in front of us. And we also just have like an incredible housing shortage generally. So I think we need to address like some bigger problems as well. Yeah. An important difference to consider between a program like the move in assistance program and this is that this helps families for one year or it, for the move in assistance for as long as they stay in that unit, um, but it helps them once. Whereas a housing construction project is more expensive on a per unit basis, but it, it creates a unit that's affordable in perpetuity. So um, it is, it, it, it's, it, it's not really comparing apples to apples by comparing a program to construction. On the other hand, I will agree that for, in terms of a housing construction project, this is about as expensive on a per unit basis as I've ever seen a housing construction project for affordable housing. It's high. It's a, it's a big number. Yeah, I agree. 
And there's a lot of afford one of the reasons why the number is so big from for just of the CPA ask is that um, the uh, there isn't any uh, aside from the home funds, there isn't any other funding coming from state um, or other funding sources. Um, and I think it's typical when we would see affordable housing projects that they would be putting together funding from additional sources besides the ones that we see here, or a higher amount of funding coming from private lenders than what we see in this instance as well. Um, for me, um, what I take from it that I, I will support it because I know there are plenty of families that um, receive awarded um, Section 8 vouchers and they have children in the um, school system here in Medford and they, they will prefer to stay in Medford. Unfortunately, if this project will, you know, will have tenants that um, have Section 8 vouchers to you know, move in there, that will be a plus because there are people out there that cannot find, that want to stay in Medford but they cannot find any affordable, we, even though they have a voucher in their hands, they still cannot afford to stay in Medford. So that's where, that's the only reason why I will support it. I wish Susan had stayed on so we could ask her about the first mortgage amount and the reason for uh, it being only, what was it, 250000 or $225,000? From the private lender, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this this isn't my area of expertise. So um, it's all happening very fast. It was just last week that the home funds were approved. And it was only last week that I learned how much the request would be. Um, so there, there hasn't you know been a lot of time. It does sound as though, um, I mean, I, we haven't taken a vote yet of the committee members, but just from the tenor of your comments, it sounds as though um, our opinion, all, all of our opinions are not necessarily conditional upon any particular answers that we would get about. So um, I had mentioned earlier that we might you know, want to have some time to bring in some extra expertise, we could find someone who has more development experience, um, affordable housing development experience to be able to um, help us understand the per unit cost of these units in general and what are the funding components that are going into this and whether this feels like a good investment for the CPC to be making. But if that's not a question that all of you are um, 
you know, can want to base your response to this request on, then, you know, I, we may as well um, take a vote tonight if, if you think that you know how, um, how you'd like to vote on this. So I think that these are all good questions. It's a learning experience. I think I'll speak for myself. Um, I think that we still need to ask these questions because there'll be another application coming down the pike, but we'll have these same questions and we need to have better expertise around this kind of um, uh, deal uh, to find out whether or not there's any wheel room to, to, to ask less of us and get it from someplace else. But maybe uh, to the extent that, you know, this is what we have in front of us. There's money in the previous, you know, the housing um, uh, bucket to pull from. We're not going to be taking away from the funding that we have for this round. No, chalk it up to, you know, we're learning about these projects. I mean, it, the whole thing, I mean, I live up in Fulton Heights. I know how much rock is here. So it was going to be a tough it was going to be a tough installation to begin with, um, but it sounds like they've done some due diligence around this. I'm very close to the Winthrop Street neighborhood where oh. they're doing blasting across from the gas station. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. some, of these, some of these people are my neighbors and my friends, and I can tell you that there's, I would be hesitant to put my name on something else in Medford that involved blasting. <laughs> Right now, as soon as they mentioned how they were going to be removing the rock, um, they're not blasting. Oh, well, they're not blasting. They're going to use the um, the hammer drills. That's what they blasting. say today. That's what they say now. We can make that conditional, can we? Yeah, would be yep. nice. Can we also I, uh, use this as a the drilling is worse than blasting in terms of noise and disruption to neighbors. It goes on for weeks and weeks. Right, but it doesn't affect your foundation maybe as right. much. So, okay. yeah, but uh, Steve, that was eight, eight or nine houses they were blasting for. Not the scale of this is much smaller than that than what yeah, you experienced. Yeah, that developer definitely bought the biggest rock in Medford. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As they mentioned, yeah, as they mentioned, their own property will be in jeopardy if they do um, go with the blasting. Um, because they will put their own property because you don't, when you do blasting, you don't know how much damage that you're doing, you know, in the structure, not only in their property, but the surrounding property that's out there. So again, if you guys want to go and further, I'm all for it. But again, like I said, I will only support because I'm, I'm iffy about the foundation. That's the only issue that I have. Um, and, um, but at the same time, I know the fact that um, coming from the housing um, uh, side of it, and I know how much difficulty it is right here in Medford for, um, for finding housing for people that actually um, residing and want to remain in housing um, in, in Medford. So I'll go whichever way you guys want to go. I'll support if you guys want to further. I will myself will want to learn as well um, how, you know, the cost um, per unit affordable housing but if if that's the way you guys want to go I'll 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 go with that too um yeah I think um I'm I'm with 
Joan, and that I would really love to be able to base a decision on a deeper level of expertise about the investment that we're making. But, and I'm also with Steve and that I hate to put my name on anything that is going to involve ledge removal. That really hurts right now. And at the same time, it hurts to put my name on anything that involves denying funding for affordable housing. So like <laughs> between a rock and a hard place, right? <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> Could we moving 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 forward, would it would there be an option to remove the uncomfortableness that some of us are feeling with the amount of money by putting a per project cap in place yep. for I don't feel like today there is a cap which is why we're at one project coming in at 655 when initially we thought it was going to be 280 could we have a 200 or 220 or 250 thousand dollar cap per project one time only and if the funds are approved here's your 250 if you can't make it happen i'm very sorry um that comes back into our reserve as as we've done with other projects since i've come on um could we could we explore putting that in our language I recommend a per unit basis, maybe not per project. Okay. Well, if, this was, if this was, you know, 10 units, then it wouldn't feel Absolutely. Like I totally wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, because it is when you look at the, the unit, the per unit cost of the subsidy. So it's yeah, 211,667 um, CPA dollars per unit subsidy. Yeah. So this and is I, part of the learning, right? Yeah. <laughs> is this something other is this something other communities do? Put a cap per unit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have outreach to other CPCs, but I would love to know how they handle it and then model that language into our agreements. Yeah. And I um I, I would not want to limit them to one ask because it, CPA is really useful sometimes for closing gaps. But I think if like the, in total, no matter how many times you come, if the total ask can't be above whatever the limit is that we set, then um, it gives them an incentive to be efficient and find other sources of funding right. before they come to us. Because like with the home program, they literally have a per unit subsidy cap. Yeah, it's lifted right now. Um, I, I believe because of COVID, you know, up until this till September thirtieth. But yeah, they're exceeding the the subs the per unit subsidy for home funds as well, even though it's it's allowed right now. Yeah. So we could probably get some um, expert uh, recommendations on how to tackle this the next time. <clears throat> but I would probably put forth that we should probably vote on this because we just don't have the time to kind of backtrack and do something different. I'll make a motion then to approve this off cycle request for funding. Do we wanna put a contingency? Oh with the contingency that there not be blasting on the site. I'll second that. 
And we already have, I think, a contingency in our funding, as Susan mentioned, from the first time around that the units have to be protected in perpetuity. Right. So that's um, that would follow we this. We need to make that condition again. We we said it once; it still goes. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So we have a motion that's been seconded, and we'll take a roll call vote. Losa. Aye. Doug. Yes. Joan. Yes. Casey. Yes. Heidi. Yes. Steve. Yes. And myself, yes. So funding is approved. Well, recommended to be approved. It'll go exactly. to Susan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Danielle. And those were conditions, not contingency, right? Yeah, conditions. conditions. Right. So a condition that there be no blasting and a condition that the units are affordable in perpetuity. Yes. How much of that does that, how much of the housing budget does that now consume? I know uh, this is a re-ask. So is it, it this last year's or this, this funding? It's several years of funds that have built up. So it does zero out what we had reserved from prior funds. We were kind of like letting it build and parking money there because the way that we set our budget every year is to be flexible. So we do 10%, 10%, 10%, and then we have the rest in the general reserve. And then one year we didn't have a lot of applications. And so we took the 250K um, that was left over, like most of the bulk, and we just parked it in the affordable reserve. So the affordable housing reserves so could only be used for housing. And that's what we'd be drawing upon because there's also um, you know, so the additional funds that were in there from prior years. And that's something that we might want to consider doing again. Um, so this is something I'm not sure at what point in our cycle we need to make this decision, but um, some communities immediately, rather than reserving 10, 10, and 10, some communities immediately park a larger portion into affordable housing before they, um, um, if, you know, before they make the funding available for any projects. Um, and what we did that one year was at the end of the process to transfer extra funds into the affordable housing. So we may want to consider whether we want to do that again to increase the amount that we're making available for affordable housing, either um, at the beginning or the end of the process. It's, if it's at the beginning of the process, then those housing funds are not competing with funding for other projects. If it's at the end of the process, then it, um, we really can only put into affordable housing what's left over after we fund the projects that we're inclined to fund for that funding round. So um, I would love to get your input now or at some time in the future on when, um, whether we'd like to consider doing this again and when would be a good time to um, make those housing, make that, make that decision about the housing funds. Where's our housing trust in the process of being written or not? Um, well, the city council that we have right now um, has 
just not moved that proposition forward since it a, a year ago, we brought Shelly Gehring from MHP Mass Housing Partnership to come and talk to the Committee of the Whole to talk about what an affordable housing trust is and what are the steps to create one and how the city can benefit from it. And um, she gave a, a good presentation. Um, the next steps would be for the city council to draft an ordinance to create the affordable housing trust in the same way that they drafted the ordinance that created this committee. And I've actually given them a template for how that ordinance, what that ordinance could look like and highlighted what are the decision points that they need to make in the process. So in the last year that they, uh, since they had that presentation, they just haven't, um, have not put it on an agenda, have not put it out to a committee. They haven't taken any steps to draft that ordinance or move forward with that idea. So it's been in discussion for several years and it's stalled. Mm -hmm. It's a recommendation in the housing production plan, which is also still in draft form because it can't make it out of committee. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that in the future, about putting aside some more funds. Yeah. Because once we look at the um, the EDS, if you looked at the column that had the funding, we'll talk about that soon, but the request for funds is gonna far exceed what we have. Yep. So it's gonna be a very competitive round. Mm -hmm. So hard decisions will have to be made. So if you wanted to set aside affordable you know, funds for affordable housing, then it would mean not funding some other projects, yep. which um, like Roberta was saying, when you do that after they've all come in, then it starts to be a harder decision because like yep. there is available, you know. Mm -hmm. Before we move on to, I'm sorry, go ahead, Doug. Well, Danielle, the, um, I think after tonight's meeting, there may be some shifting in a lot of those numbers for things that are either ineligible well, in the case of the Oak Grove Cemetery buildings, that number is, is not going to be that big. I, I spoke with Dee. We'll get into that in a bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so everyone, before we go on to the EDFs, could we take just like a, a, a five-minute break? Um, sure. I know it's going to be a long discussion, and I could use a break quickly. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks.
And she's back. <laughs> Are you guys able to open up that Excel file in the OneDrive for that 2021 received EDFs? 2021 EDFs, yeah. The, the Excel spreadsheet? Yes. I have it open now. Okay, mine yes. for some reason is corrupt. Um, but I'm having some issues with my, my laptop at home. Do you need me to share? Or could you email it to me maybe? Uh, hold on. We might, we might want to share it on the screen too to follow along. But yeah, I can't open it and it's, it's saved locally in the Let's office. See, I don't know if I can save it. It says view only. Let's see, viewing. Oh, shoot. No, you might. Oh yeah, you can save it. I downloaded it myself so that I could. Oh, rather um, than open it. it. Oh, okay. Hold yeah, on. I downloaded it so I could. Yep. Uh, got it. Add my own column to it. Got it. Okay. Do you want me to email it to you, Danielle? That would be great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Apologize for having these issues of getting onto my files. Is it? See if I did the right one, right? Oh, I did the wrong one. <laughs> you can have that file too. Yeah, <laughs> okay, sorry. Download. To get it, I got the first email. Here's the okay. second. One. Here we go. Yay! Thank you. I think we're all back now. Um, can we, are we ready to move on or do you want us to wait a minute, Danielle, for you to have the- Oh, I'm good. Okay, great. So I think my strategy with this um, end of our agenda is to, I'm just trying to make sure I have the file, the agenda open in front of me, is to go through each of the projects and um, maybe Danielle, for each one, you can just quickly let us know what your opinion is, if it's eligible. And then committee members, you know, we might have a little bit of discussion. Um, if you have any questions, 
that we want to pass on to the applicants, any feedback that we want the applicants to respond to in their full application, this is the time to bring that up and we'll pass that on to the applicants. And aside from that, we'll try to move quickly through all of the projects. A lot of them I think are going to require no discussion. So we'll take advantage of that and <laughs> um, try to move quickly. So um, we'll begin with the Veterans Affairs Cemetery Commission restoration of Oak Grove World War I monument and surrounds. Um, Danielle, eligibility? Yes, yeah, so this is, um, we funded the study um, two cycles ago. Um, originally, the Veterans Office, along with the Cemetery Commission, had come in and, you know, asking to do this restoration work. And we um, determined that it really needed to be studied by, you know, like a preservationist who is knowledgeable of restoring, restoring um, these monuments and statues. And they, you know, put it out, put that study out to bid and they, they hired someone who did, you know, excellent work um, putting together, you know, a set of recommendations and, um, you know, it's the, a good expected cost. I believe they still have some funds available in that original grant um, that would help them, that would be able to pay to put the bid documents together to actually pay for this work. So I, this was kind of like a two-part project, which I think worked out well. Right. So there's no question about the eligibility. Are there any questions that, that we want them to address in the full application? Great. All right. So we'll move on to the next one. Restoration uh, of the, I'm sorry, go ahead, Doug. Well, isn't there, isn't this the one that has the garage and the whole additional building that has nothing to do with the original monument is, is now folded into it or is that a separate one? No, that's a separate, separate. one. Okay. Then you're right. Sorry. So the second project on our list is the restoration of the WPA garage. Do we want to talk about that one now since we're, we can jump it's, around? It's just that um, I think it's a similar situation. They don't really have a scope. They need to hire someone to understand what it is to evaluate the building, to evaluate the structure, um, any waterproofing or structural issues and do ADA studies. It's not a construction project. It's a feasibility study for the building. The, yeah. the Historic Commission determined just at our last meeting that that building is significant and we strongly urge that money be put into that into that building because of its uniqueness and its high quality. Um, so not so much the, the house on Playstead Road. If, if we're gonna choose between those, we wanted to choose that project versus the other one. But I spoke to Dean Morris today and she said, I, I said, I think this feels like about a eighty dollars to $100,000 project, not an $850,000 project. So she understood that and agreed with that, but she's just, you know, she's just trying to get it into the wire she threw a number at it. She didn't, it, it came out of, you know, really out of thin air. And it, she was thinking about construction, not actually the, what, what's needed right now. Yeah, and I talked to her and told her that we should take the same approach of, of doing the study first. Yes. And then come back for, you know, actual physical work down the road. Yeah, agreed. Great. Um, are, any other questions to raise for them? All right, 
then we'll move on to the fire department projects. I'm just going in the order that's on the agenda. Um, so the fire department, um, historic roof renovations. So Doug and I um, sat on in on a meeting with um, Nina from finance and procurement along with the fire chief and we looked at the plans and we, Doug and I both agree that this is eligible. It's um, doing the, the slate roof and then some of the, um, the, the flat roof. And we had, you know, long discussions that, um, that it, it made sense and this is something that would be eligible. Yeah. All right, um, the insulation replacement. I don't think that this is eligible. I don't know if anyone else has any. I'm curious uh, as to why it's not eligible. I don't, um, I, I'm not gonna argue that I think it should be, but I'm curious as to why the insulation replacement wouldn't be. I think it's maintenance, not, I mean, the, the difference is maintenance versus non-maintenance. And, and Joan brings out the magic uh, spreadsheet that, that kind of gives us the guidance that usually is what determines these things. Okay. Yep, fair enough. Okay. Um, design and engineering for bathroom renovations. Um, let's see. What did I, I put in my notes that I did, didn't think that this would be eligible. Um, basically these would be, you know, brand new bathrooms is my understanding. Um, I'm, I'm, it starts to feel like a stretch. Like I'm sure you could make the argument that it is. Um, Hard to say it's historical though. Yeah, I mean the building itself, the, yes. the actual structure is, his, is historical, but. But I feel like that's our purview, like roofs doorways, yeah. windows, things that people yeah. see and say there's a historical there's public benefit. I mean, it's, yeah, I just don't, I think it's, it's, a, it's a major stretch and in a competitive round, we would tell yeah. them that you should pick the ones that um, are more of the slam dunks of like what's, you know, eligible and in keeping with the spirit of CPA. Um, the only thing that gives me pause about that is that one of the, the things that I've been championing, championing for a while is that, I mean, of course, the, other people might disagree with me, but I would love to see CPA, or I would love to see the city renovate the bathrooms in City Hall. And I kind of think that that could be a CPA project. Uh, those bathrooms look like they were, have not been but City Hall is a public building. I can it's go a, into City yeah. Hall. I can't go into the firehouse. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like, so I, I just want to kind of know what the threshold is right. of why. That so, was sort of so, yeah. so taxpayers wouldn't be allowed to go into a firehouse to use the bathroom. But a taxpayer, as you just said, could walk right into City Hall with their child and they'd use the bathroom and they could. That's yeah. the part. And to me, that differentiates the funding. How does it benefit the community as a whole? Um, it'll love our firefighters, but that only benefits the 16 or 20 guys that work there. But that's discretionary of whether this is a good use of CPA funds or not, but is it eligible or not? Um, well, it has to have a public benefit to be eligible, okay. does it not? 
I, I always thought that was part of like some some kind of public benefit. And that's why you have to do like, you know, preservation restrictions on some historical projects to, then that was the public benefit. Um, Heidi, are you talking? Yeah, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the city hall analogy, the bathrooms there actually do have some kind of historic component. They have some really nice grant marble or granite in there. And, and so yeah, it would kind of depend on whether they're keeping some of those elements. And that I think would help determine whether that's historic preservation or not. Okay. Yeah. I have to look at it again, but it sounded like gutting and building new ones. Like, I think that there, there weren't bathrooms for, like they didn't have, you know, separate gendered bathrooms. And so there's like building one for, um, I mean, I think they said men and women's room. I don't, I don't know if there would be, um, you know, a non-binary room or not, but it was building new bathrooms was my understanding. I might be wrong. It was a, a lot. I don't think it's really historic based. You know, the historic commission found the building significant, but that, to Steve's point earlier, that's really talking about the public exterior of the building. The inside of these buildings are often completely beyond our, they are beyond our peer view. You know, we're not, doesn't mean that everything that happens within that, those four walls is historically significant. It doesn't, it just doesn't mean that. Now, here's a criteria that is gonna come up with one of the later projects that we're looking at, which is one of the criteria on that um, handy chart that, um, that the DOR provides for eligibility is, is this a significant improvement that's making the, the structure be usable for its intended use or functional for its intended use? And a fire station doesn't really function as a fire station if it doesn't have bathrooms. Um, but yeah, so I don't know that that's, that, that's an argument for why it could be eligible, but there isn't anything really historic about the bathrooms that we'll be talking about providing. Um, and I don't know that there is anything historic about the bathrooms as they exist right now. And I don't know whether um, the public benefit principle that Danielle is making is um, like if there's sufficient public benefit, if it's public employees who are using this space um, versus Oh, you totally are frozen, Roberta. Joan, what's your reading from the spreadsheet? Did you look at yeah, it? Yes, it says um, for historic resources, it's not acquisition. It is not preservation. The only other option is rehabilitation and restoration. And it says making capital improvements or extraordinary repairs to make the asset functional for intended use. So if they're going to take the whole thing apart and rebuild it, that's not rehabbing it, I think. 
Uh, like the rest to, of it goes on to say that including improvements to comply with federal, state, or local building or access codes or federal standards for rehabilitation of historic places, properties. I'd kind of like to compare it to the, the fire station engine three generator and automatic transfer switch, mm -hmm. which Danielle also has as not eligible. And that would be my, my gut as well. That, that, that seems like an operational improvement. It seems like the, the fire station could still operate as with its intended use without gen this, I don't know, automatic transfer switch. So I guess it would be helpful in the, when looking at the bathrooms to compare to, okay, compare it to something that is eligible, like the roof. The roof seems clear. And as Steve said, the roof, windows, doorways, that all seems pretty straightforward. When it, when it comes to the operational improvements, I, I don't see it. Yeah, I feel bad. I want them to have new bathrooms, but I don't know if this is the right funding for it. I think it's the right funding source. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of disagree because if, if they don't have a restroom to use in there, uh, if they don't have a restroom, where would they go? That's the yeah, purpose of them being there. <laughs> I mean, well, that's, it's that's one thing if it. they were taking the restroom as it is and they were restoring it back to the way it was when the firehouse was built maybe versus taking everything out and just putting a brand new bathroom and toilet in. Right. Right. So that you. covers that's under maintenance, right? That's, mm. they're not trying to restore it. They're trying to gut it. I think, unless they're not, we'll find out but, in the full application. Right. No, they have to be because the codes that applied now are, it's impossible to build the bathroom. You need more space for bathrooms for ADA, for gender, for all these reasons. It, it can't be the same. You can't actually restore a bathroom from 1940 or wherever it is because the codes have evolved and the dimensions have required and standards have evolved. So, okay. So, good try on their part, but <laughs> yes. So we're gonna we're gonna go with the not eligible at this point. Yeah, it's just using a different part of money. We want to obviously have it done. Just the, and, and that's okay. I'm expecting the city to have a mix of funding sources like the last project was. Right. So, so is that the same for the transfer switch as well? Absolutely. Yeah, that definitely is. Okay. So then the next story. one, the next one is the uh, fire substations window renovations. And so that's a design and engineering study. Mm -hmm. um, so that wouldn't be doing the actual renovations, but like looking at what needs to be done and then I guess um, like specking it out. And so do we, so we, we need to provide money to go get a bid for a proposal? Because well, they're I, gonna have the like company. architects, like, cause it's, it would be um, restoring ex the historic windows. So maybe Doug, mm -hmm speak to it. Yeah, it's a, it's a preservation architect and specs and drawings to put together a package to how to bring those windows back using the original windows, either restored or adapted, uh, but maintained per the standards that we apply to all historic buildings like Chevalier and other. The other. windows at Royal House too? Same. Yeah. The manager that years ago on our own, but yeah, it's it's a pretty standard formula they need to follow. It just can't. Be, you, you need a preservation architect, somebody who knows old windows to do it. Got a new bro. 
I get that. Yep. Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than us like replacing the windows. Roberta, is that you? I think that's her. You're muted. Oh, asked to unmute. She's unmuted. I'm now. here. I'm calling in. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to make it back in. <laughs> My internet just <laughs> cut out and it, it's not coming back. So, well, we're, uh, we're in the middle still of the fire department, and we just said that the window restoration, I'm sorry, window renovations okay. are likely eligible. And the last one in the fire department is the uh, engine three apparatus bay floor renovations. Okay. So um, I think the note that's here is that uh, it's eligible, but that the historic commission will need to ensure application complies with the Secretary of Interior standards. So uh, these uh, apparatus bay floor, is that something I can see from the outside? I think when they open up the- When doors they are, open up the bay? Yeah, it's what the, yeah. it's what the truck sits on. Yep, okay. But does it need to be yeah. done to historic standard or can it just be an engineered poured concrete floor? It's, it's a repair, isn't it? I mean, the repairing concrete and rusted steel beams. I, I guess that's historic, but it seems a stretch to me. Yeah, I agree, Doug. I would agree with Doug. It's, it's... Uh, so this is one that I would think could classify as making the building functional for its intended use. But if you would argue that this is maintenance and not um, a substantial improvement, I, you know, I, I'd respect that. I think the I definition really is know. extraordinary repair, right? So if it's yeah. an extraordinary repair, then it's a rehabilitation. But if it's just a regular, not extraordinary repair, it's maintenance. <laughs> so yeah. how to determine, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm not, the I'm line not that, at my files for some reason, so I can't look at that EDF again to see what was in there's, it. There's no cost on it. I just opened it. it right. Like, yeah, wow. I told I told Nina to give him a pass. Like that's really the cost for in the EDF stage is just to kind of give us an idea of what's coming. But um, um, they haven't done that work yet. So what if you if you go back to them and tell them you know if we're going to invite them to do a full application. They need to, you know, prove to us that it fits in this little box of extraordinary repair and not maintenance. Yeah. Yes, that, that. And why is it historic? Yeah, uh, I have trouble right. understanding why it's even historic. Yeah, is it? Was it? I mean, somebody tell me, is it? Is the floor original to when the firehouse was built? I mean, is that a, even that would be a stretch? Well, a firehouse needs to have an apparatus bay, like yep. that is pretty core to the definition of a firehouse so for this to continue to be a firehouse it needs to have an apparatus bay that is um, structurally able to support apparatus why do we necessarily care if it's going to continue to be a firehouse as long as you know it's well, historically maintained that, on that, the leads another, that leads to another question that i have is that if this didn't continue to be used as a firehouse will the city continue like preserve it as a historic building? Is there a risk that we put CPA funds into the firehouses and the city turns around and demolishes them to build new firehouses? Um, yeah, why you would need to have some kind of preservation restriction, but that's what we, we haven't been able to figure out how to do that on ourselves. 
we've been um, we've been working on I now that I'm actually working in the city of Somerville, I might have an in <laughs> and be able to <laughs> push forward the idea of of Somerville holding our preservation restriction for a city building. Um, the city crossing my fingers, not, we could make that. Yeah. So some of these firehouses is this you know, the city might decide that they don't actually want to get CPA funds in their project because it will tie their hands a bit because we're going to, we're not going to make an investment in a property and then have it just demolished. Right. Right. What if we converted the housing, uh, the firehouses into affordable housing? There you go. Yeah. You don't have a spot for the fire station anymore. That's right. the problem. You need that land. Sorry. Yeah, getting punchy here. I haven't had dinner. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. You can turn off your screen and munch on something. Yeah, no, it would require cooking, and it's just not going to happen at this time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so are you going to go back and tell them that they can submit, but they need to prove its historic preservation, you know, extraordinary repair rehabilitation kind of uh, angle? And let them be aware of the strings that come along yeah. with the CPA right. funds. Yeah. Okay. All right. On to the Medford Brooks Estate Land Trust. The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, landscape Rehabilitation at Grove Street Entrance. Do we have any concern about the eligibility of? Only the uh, applicant, um, that's all, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so the, the question is, do we have do we have any feedback that we want to give the applicant on? I mean, maybe we could just take these projects as a group, the mm -hmm. um, Brooks right. Estate projects. Yep. Um, they are all eligible projects. Do we have any any concerns or feedback that we want to provide the applicant? I don't. Nope. They know the they know the 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 rules. <laughs> No, it meets yeah. two it checks two boxes for me. It's historic and it's green space. So mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And I don't have Yeah, I know you don't. I'm 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 doing it for you. Thank you. No problem. So the next is the recreation department. They have uh, install a water fountain at Wright's Pond. And um, sounds great. All three of these, all you can take all three of these together if you want. I yep. So then there's research, repair. It says repair and resurface the Hormel Street hockey rink. I hate it's, the word repair, but it's a. It's, it has to be replaced. It's it was great when I was in college and they first opened it, but now it's just you can't. It was meant to be a street hockey and roller hockey court, and you you can't even run in there now. It's impossible. Okay. But it'd be a valuable asset as street hockey is starting to have a re-emergence re, re, re again. I see a lot of kids playing, so it'd be nice right. to give them a place to go. No, I, wish we, had, I wish we had more than one. <laughs> the last one is the new flooring at the rec center. So is that in the in the basement of the Chevalier? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a historic building. It is. And they're not asking for much. Yeah, so that, they're really not asking. They're not tearing. I, clearly, for the dollar amount they're asking for, I'm assuming that they're just going to have somebody give it a sand and make it shiny again, whatever that process is. They're clearly not replacing it, which is fine with me. I'd love to see the old things brought back and given new life. It's a beautiful yeah. space. If you haven't been in there with your children, it's a great, great space to go check out. So I think the only... Um, 
uh, note that uh, Danielle put in was need more information on proposed floor materials and research, which may be eligible. So if they're if they're just going to rehab it versus replace it, that would need to be known. It's hard to tell from the photos yeah. what the floors were made out of. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this being a, I think one one thing that we want to make sure feedback that we want to provide them is that this being a historic preservation project, they would need to make sure that whatever they do complies with the Secretary of Interior standards. Okay. Uh, Chevalier Theater accessibility improvements. And I found that eligible because. Um, ADA improvements yep. are all eligible. Mm -hmm. Agreed. All right. Yeah. Uh, the baseball park concession stands, potentially eligible, should discuss at Columbus Memorial and Gillis Parks. I read these. So the, the application was actually submitted by the mayor. I don't understand how you build three concession stands though for 45,000, unless we're just talking about a shed of some sort. <laughs> Something yeah. that, and if I, they are, so I mean, if we were building a storage shed for equipment, uh, I think that would be eligible. Um, a question is whether a concession stand is, is supporting recreation use, but if it's essentially the same type of structure that we, it's just like we're selling um, candy out of it yeah, rather than storing balls in it, but it's the same type of structure. I, I don't know. Um, it's, it, fall, it would fall into green space or recreation. Recreation. Yeah. 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 Traveling to other communities. I'm a coach. Um, traveling to other communities is one thing we don't do is we don't sell uh, field side to support soccer, softball, baseball, lacrosse, field hockey, as other communities every other community around us does. And we also don't allow food trucks. So you can't even give parents an option to go buy their kid a soda or a Gatorade or a hot dog. So I would be a yes on this if we could figure out how to do it, but it doesn't, it's, it's not historic. So it'd be a tough one, obviously. And I would just need more information. Like I love the idea, but I just don't know how you do three locations for $45,000. The number is too low. The numbers it, seems very, it seems very low. Unless you're literally buying a shed off the parking lot at Home Depot and they're delivering it and you just have a window yeah. and you just stand there, then I could see that. But I just need, I need more of an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah, had had like some kind of a quote that she gave me that she'd gotten from someone. I, I can't open it on my computer right now to support it. But, you know, the number can change between now and the application. They're just, you know, just yeah. trying to throw something out there. But I think that the key was our concession stands. Do we, we, do we consider that, you know, kind of part and parcel of the, the recreational use of a ball field? And I think you can make it that would. argument that it is. Plus you have but, to, yeah. you have to hire a high school age child to work there as the Metric Recreation Department does at the pools. So I think it would be the same as hiring someone who is an attendant at a pool at Tufts Pool, say. So there is that aspect to it on game days. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a quote in here from Somerville Window Company in Medford that says, mm -hmm. supply and install all materials necessary to build a shed, approximately 10 by 20, 
on the existing slab at the Medford Little League field. That says $9,500. Yeah. We would want to make sure that whatever they construct is going to be handicap accessible. Like that's, <laughs> we would make sure that, like, let them know that that will be a condition up front so that if that affects their cost estimate. So that would be um, like counter height. You'd have to have a counter height would have to be low enough so that someone in a chair can right. do that. So yeah, we need to make sure that when they're building, hopefully that wouldn't change. You usually have to have two counter heights. Let's um, assume it's also the door for entry for whoever works there. True. Yeah. Would also have to yeah. be accessible to somebody in a wheelchair. Lassa, so you're that. you're muted, Lassa. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> you were like talking away, and I was like, oh. <laughs> As a as a person that used to use a walker before, yes, the door needs to be, you know, a certain wide enough for them to go in and out. And I, I do support that. Um and like um is, is Steve, is that Steve? Right? I don't wanna say yeah, had mentioned that my son used to play little league when he was there, and then we used to go different places and we were able to buy stuff. But when you when we play here in Medford, you don't have anything. So as, I do agree. Changed. I would support yeah, it hasn't changed and I do support that. Yeah. Not one bit. It's yeah. always a head scratcher to me and a missed opportunity for sure. So how are we fitting this into recreation? What's the what's the twist here? That being able to um, buy uh, drinks and food at a ballpark is part of the recreation activity that occurs at a ballpark. Like part of the facility, like bathrooms at a park are eligible. Mm -hmm. So would a concession storage system... facilities would be eligible yeah. for the equipment that you use at a game. So, you know, this is um, providing players with the fuel that they need to be able to play their game. I buy that, but if it is competitive, I feel like I would, you know, I don't yeah. know. This would be lower on the list for me, but I buy that. Not that they, I mean, I, I totally agree that it's worthwhile and absolutely needed. And I, I'm just conscious of the fact that it requires um, a, it, it requires an argument for why it fits our criteria, our definition. Yeah, I mean, presumably all of these. Yeah. Yeah. Presumably all of these fields are operating, you know, without. Any concessions. Right. But I mean, just because we don't have it doesn't mean that it isn't a recreational facility that we need. Like we can add splash pads to parks because they're still operating yes. as part without having it. So I mean, it's sort of analogous. Mm -hmm. Or drinking fountains. Mm -hmm. Again, I it would take one I think that, that that solidifies our case to be able to do it because it's an asset to the park and in turn would be an asset to the community. And, yeah. and just because the other parks don't have it, it take one one place to actually start to have one for other people to realize that this really is something that is needed more with the other parts that they do have. Did we lose somebody? Did we lose? Heidi. No, oh, there she's there. <laughs> I don't know. We lost. Did we lose him? No, no, Roberta's still here. Oh, maybe okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Sorry, All right, my no. internet's going. 
crazy. So I think we, um, I, so I think it we're, it sounds as though we're comfortable with the, um, concession stands being eligible and in terms of feedback to give to the applicant to make sure that they are aware that the facilities will have to be handicap accessible, both for people, um, buying and selling concessions. Mm -hmm. I agree. Any other feedback? Okay. Next group is the Parks Division. There's three resurfacing um, applications for Cape and Hickey Basketball and Hickey Tennis Court. Sounds great. Um, They're straightforward, yeah, and, I would say. Straightforward. Mm -hmm. And then two splash pads, Cape and Park and Duggar Park. Those are eligible. Yeah, I've already have people who are already aware of them and saying, "Hey, I hear Capen's getting a splash." Pad. <laughs> 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 if you want it, if, if you want that old thing fixed up, then you should write letters and speak in favor right. of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, the last thing on the list is the McNally Community Garden expansion. And yeah, that's would be eligible. That's it. Great. So What's the grand total here, Danielle? Is there an actual total yet or is it too early for the dollar amount? I, I yeah. had I run a total dollar amount. Let me um we don't have we don't have estimates though for the uh, fire station stuff. Right. Even for the so I just threw some gross numbers out there for a couple of the ones that we don't have estimates yet for, including the I I also like threw in a hundred thousand, I think, for the um, oh no, the cemetery commission. I left it at what they were asking, but I'll change that to a hundred thousand. Yeah. And um, I'm coming to roughly one point five million. Um, so, you know, if I'm grossly off for some of the ones that I um, came up with my own numbers for. Maybe we're at two million, and what we have for FY22 available funds is 2.6 million. So unless I'm just reading my numbers from the wrong source, are you including the old housing money? The housing. Oh, so the Medford Community Housing. Um, the the, are we? Yeah, I think, I think uh, you're counting the housing reserve. The that we what we had in the housing reserve. Yeah, so let me take that out right now because that's exactly what we just um, recommended for funding. So, and the sixty thousand um, for the royal house roof—did you back that out? Um, so no, plus sixty thousand. So, um, oh, you know what? So this is about 1.5 million and I'm just going to take out the funds that we've just um, Sorry, I wish I could share screen while I do this, Matt. <laughs> um, so 2.2 million is about what we have. And uh, the projects that are um, that have submitted EDFs 
appear to come out to roughly in the order of 1.5 to 2 million. So um, we may be able to have funding enough for everything that's in the pipeline this round. That's eligible. Mm -hmm. That's eligible, everything that's eligible. Well, we'll find that out once we get full applications. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, you know, maybe if there is funding left over, we'll be aggressive about putting some funding into, well, if we put it all into what we did the last time was to put money into affordable housing, but also make sure that we saved a cushion for flexibility. Um, we didn't put all of the available funds into housing. We saved some so that if off-cycle projects came in, we could still fund them. But I think if we've made it through all of our EDFs this evening, this is a really long yes. agenda. Um, yep. I want to uh, thank you all for your time. And um, is there anything left that we needed to talk about? The only about? thing was uh, project updates and other business, but... Um, we can save that for the next time. If you, unless like I can't open my spreadsheet, so... Okay. Then there you go. It's going to add... <laughs> Is there anything, I don't happen to recall, Danielle, is there anything urgent that we needed to, um, that we needed to raise? The only thing that I wanted to mention was, I don't know if, I, if all of you have caught um, the discussion going on around the, the Medford Movement Assistance Program. Um, we received a lot of publicity about that in the last month. And the publicity resulted in there being some negative conversation about it. Um, some of the city councilors, again, are concerned that they don't want to see Medford funds um, benefiting anybody who is not currently a Medford resident. And um, I, I, I have a lot to say about that that <laughs> I will discuss offline. I don't want to lengthen our time this evening, um, but just uh, we should keep an eye on that discussion and be prepared to um, step in and respond if it comes back to, um, I'm, I'm concerned about the potential for this to, um, for the city council to try to walk back the commitment that we made for the move and assistance program. That's probably a very small possibility but it might be a challenge that we face in future projects, getting the council to um, support the projects that we recommend, um, given that they have this very strong bias. But if we, if, if we have a different members of the city council before the next time we bring an affordable housing program to them, um, that, that it, it might be a different calculus. But I just wanted to... Bring your awareness to that issue um, to keep an eye on it. It'll be interesting to see what happens at the September 14th meeting because they cannot say that people can't from outside the city can't move into the, these new Fellsway units. That's fair housing violation. You can do some local preference, but you can't say all three units will go to current Medford residents. Can't do that. So... I, I hope that not having the ability to exclude some means that we can't help anyone. That's just a little. So this, 
by that now? Um, so it may be helpful um, to have for CPC members or to, um, to attend that meeting or to bring out supporters to attend um, the city council meeting to um, ensure support for our, you know, um, not having them deny this program for a reason like that. So is, is this uh, the second half of it on the agenda? Like this, the program, is it on the agenda for them to approve or is it just? Uh, no, so it's, no, you think I, there might I, just be some comments or, you know? There was, I don't know. Go ahead, Danielle. No, I was just gonna say, I, I think, um, I haven't talked to every single counselor. Uh, I've only talked to two. I think it was, you know, confusion maybe. Um, I don't know, but I mean, they voted to approve it last year in the funding cycle. Yeah. So. It felt like it was getting a little politicized in the last council meeting I watched, which is unfortunate. This is not a topic we should be politicizing for personal gain, or at least somebody else in public office should not be. Um, I didn't even know that was uh, brought up. Was it brought up at the city council meeting and then it appeared yesterday on a Facebook page. It was brought to my attention of somebody running for city council. Mm, yeah. All right. Yeah, so um, I, it would be great if CPC members can um, can echo the sentiment that that we're supporting that that supporting housing for all is supporting housing for Medford residents, um, and that you know we that that's why we recommended funding for that project in the first place, and that's our mission. Um, and um, we hope that they will um, likewise enable us to use our funds to meet this need. Yeah. Okay. Any other um, any other updates? Oh. Uh, two quick questions. Um, the yeah. date of our next meeting is that set yet? We have such a hard time with dates for our meetings. Um, I think I, I think I had sent an email maybe to you and uh, Danielle that I had on my calendar. The next meeting was on the 14th of September. That's what I have as well. Yeah, and I I, I will actually won't be I won't be here. I'll be out of town. I won't be here either. I can't attend that either. And it's the preliminary election. I don't know that we really want to be having a meeting that oh, night. Yeah. Well, it's a city council meeting where Medford Community Housing's on it. So Roberta and I, one of us has to be there. So, so yeah. it's not that night for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's, we'll have to reschedule that and we that might require a doodle poll again. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's not figure it out tonight. We're not all here. So yeah, right. we'll do a doodle poll. I'm definitely not all here. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, we're about two hours, so we should probably call it. Yeah. So Question though, is our meetings, we're not sure if it's going to be on a Tuesday or, or, or Wednesdays. So is that? I think we usually think we're trying to have them on Tuesdays, right? I think we're trying to have them on Tuesdays. Um, okay. And um, 
every time we think we have a meeting date, it gets bumped for some reason or another. And so it seems as though every month we have to find a new meeting date. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I had a conflict with the Conservation Commission tonight, but that's okay. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Heidi. You're welcome. <laughs> it was, they had a quorum. They had a quorum, so they were fine. There you go. Okay. All right. Is there uh, trying to figure out a set meeting date, hopefully, but at least of the next meeting in September when we'll meet? Yeah. yeah. Is there a, a motion to adjourn this meeting? Motion to adjourn. Second. second. Oops, everybody. <laughs> everybody go eat dinner. All right. Now. I can't read the roll call. <laughs> Um, I can um, read we'll it. Be, I'll read it. I'll read it. Heidi? <laughs> yes. Losa? Yes. Doug? Yes. Some Heidi, some food. Steve? Yes. Thank Casey? you all. Yes. Roberta? Yes. And Joan, yes. Meetings adjourned. <laughs>